Okay. How's everybody doing? Did you guys have a nice Thanksgiving? Quiet? Yes? No? Did anybody eat turkey? Turkey or ham? What's the vote? Who likes turkey best? Raise your hand. Who likes ham best? Raise your hand. Ham is it. I love ham too. Turkey's get, it's too dry. Anyway, welcome to Inside Out. Glad you guys are here tonight. Um, we're going to get started a little bit late tonight, so I want to make sure we get through this and give you guys some time to visit. But here's what I want to tell you guys. You know what we get to do tonight? Do you guys know what we get to do tonight? We get to talk about God. And I want, you, I want you guys to understand something, though. Listen to me. Look at me. Do you realize there's people around the world that can't do what you were about to do tonight? Because if they do, they will get killed, and their lives will be taken from them, or they will be put in a prison camp. And we get to do this like it's just a regular Wednesday night. But I want you guys to realize when you come in here on a Wednesday night, I'm so proud of you for showing up in here because you don't have to come. And I like to think that the students that show up at this youth group are at least curious about God, growing in the Lord, curious about the Lord. Maybe you like another boy, maybe you like another girl in here. I don't know what it is, but I'm glad you're here. And I'm really glad you're here because here's what I know about God's word. It never returns void, and it will always give birth in the season that God wants it to. So in other words, the stuff that you're going to hear tonight may not make any sense to you at all, and you may not be ready to dissect it or understand it, but what we're going to talk about tonight in, in the message and in small groups will be seeds that are planted in your heart. And tonight during worship, like we talked about before, I really believe this, you guys. With all my heart, I believe this. What they do on stage on Wednesday nights and on a Sunday morning is so critically important to a church service, to a youth group service. Because what they're doing is when they're worshiping, God is tilling the ground of your heart. The dirt in your heart, God's tilling that up like a farmer. And that way when this seed is shared with you guys in here on a Wednesday night or on a Sunday morning, you're ready for the, for the seed to get planted in good solid soil. Does that make sense? Because you want your heart to be ready and prepared for the message. Even if you don't like my preaching, even if you don't get anything out of it, I want you to listen tonight. I've been praying for you guys that you would have ears to hear the next three weeks on this message. Because it's really hard to do as a youth pastor or as any type of pastor to take the same story every year at this time of the year and try to make it fresh and vibrant and something new that you guys can learn. This is my eighth year of being a high school pastor in this church. So for eight years and for 15 years before that in the junior high ministry, I told this story at Christmas every year. So this year I got to thinking, I thought, Lord, how do I do this so I can bring something up that might be new for you guys and for you to understand with a deeper perspective of what Christmas is really all about? So this tonight, I want you guys to listen closely because tonight what I'm going to be sharing is kind of deep. And it's going to be a little harder for you guys to understand, but I want this seed to be planted for you guys that when you look at the manger that we're going to be talking about tonight, a little bit of, when you look at this, I want it to mean more to you than what it's ever meant before. I want you to have a deeper understanding of the extent and the years that God went to to plant these things in our hearts and to offer us up salvation through Jesus Christ because of the extent that he went to to redeem you is beyond all measure, you guys. You'll never understand it. I really believe this. When, when we get to heaven, we'll fully understand what God's done for us. Until we get there, we're not really going to fully understand it. We can believe in it. We can have faith in it. We can walk in the truth. But for us to really get our arms around who Jesus is and what he's done for us, I really believe it'll be before we get to heaven, we'll, before we, get to heaven we won't really understand it. We won't have the depth of knowledge. So tonight what I want to ask you guys to do is to listen very closely, okay? Because I'm not going to break up into small groups like we normally do on the front end. I want to give you guys a little more time on the back end. Because what I want to talk to you about tonight is prophecy. And I'm going to go through three weeks of this message. Corey, if you'd bring that up. 
Tonight, we're going to talk about the ultimate gift. That's our series that we're calling it. The ultimate gift of baby in a manger. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the anticipation of the manger. Next week, we'll talk about the announcement of the manger, of the Savior. And the week after that, we'll talk about the arrival of this child that we'll talk about tonight. But tonight, I want to talk about the ultimate gift, a baby in a manger. Week one, the anticipation of the ultimate gift. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. But I want to give you guys just a little bit of framework on this before we get started, okay? Because we're going to be looking, everything we'll look at tonight for the most part is in the book of Isaiah. If you've never studied the book of Isaiah, there is so much stuff in there and it is so deep and some of it is so hard to understand that it's even way above my glove. So you guys understand tonight what we're going to look at is going to be surface events that Isaiah talked about. But the book of Isaiah was written somewhere around the king, the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah says in chapter 6. Okay, the year that King Uzziah died would have been around 740 B.C., before Christ. So 700 plus years before Jesus was born, Isaiah is going to write the stuff that he writes about what's going to happen 700 years later. So what we're talking about tonight, you guys listen to this, you ready, is almost 3,000 years old. And we're on the other side of it. We're looking back over our shoulders back at this. Isaiah and the Israelites are looking forward to understand some of this. But so you know Isaiah a little bit. Isaiah had the opportunity as a prophet to really minister to kings personally. Not a lot of prophets had that opportunity. He ministered to King Ahaz and then also King Hezekiah. So what Isaiah was doing was he was going to the king and telling him, listen, if you guys don't change your ways... You're going to be destroyed by the Assyrians. That's kind of the message that Isaiah is trying to get across to these guys. Think about your worst day you've ever had. Maybe it's the death of a loved one. Maybe it's a bad day at school. Maybe you broke up with a boyfriend or girlfriend. Think about the worst day you've ever had in your life. It is nothing compared to what the Israelites are going through in this story. So if you guys can, I got to share this a little bit at FCA the other day. If you guys can just for a minute be an Israelite and plop yourself back 700 years before Jesus Christ is born and you're living as a nation and you're being very disobedient to God. Not all of you. There could be this table over here may be very good about following the things of God, but the rest of you aren't. But as the Israelites go, they all go together. Even though there's a remnant that might be in that group that's behaving themselves. So they're going to be punished as a nation. Not individually, so to speak, but as a nation, they're going to be punished. Because what Isaiah was trying to do, he was speaking to them about, cautioning them about judgment from God. And God was going to use a very evil bunch of people called the Assyrians. And the Assyrians were horribly bad people. They prided themselves on how they murdered people. They prided themselves on how they would kill someone. It was so violent and so vicious, and they would take over complete nations. And eventually, around 700 B.C., it actually happened. If I've got my years right, they actually took the, the, the nation of Judah and Israel over and took them captive. So what Isaiah said was going to happen, happened. But here's what Isaiah was trying to do. He tried to urge the people to do this. Think about this from a Christian perspective. Isaiah tried to urge the people to care for the poor and the needy and to follow God. Sounds familiar, doesn't it, as a Christian? We're supposed to take care of orphans and widows and follow God. It hasn't changed. In 3,000 years, it's still the same message that we're supposed to be living by today. So that kind of gives you an idea of who Isaiah is and what the book of Isaiah was all about. Here's what Isaiah did in this book also. He talked a lot about the prophecies of the Messiah to come. He talked a lot about that Jesus, that child was going to come down the, down the way. I think, it's, I think it's Isaiah 53, if I remember right. If you guys want to see something really kind of unique, 
Go read Isaiah 53. It's either chapter 53 or 58, but I think it's 53, where he talks about the crucifixion of Christ. And when you read it, you, you, you would just be convinced that it was happened when Jesus was crucified. But he's explaining what's going to happen to Jesus 700 years before it happened. I shared this a little bit a while back when we went through, can we trust the Bible? And I don't know if you guys remember that when I yacked that night to you guys about that, but you have to understand this. The most trustworthy thing about Scripture is this, prophecy and fulfilled prophecy. The Bible is the only spiritual book on the planet that has fulfilled prophecy. In other words, this, a prophet would get a message from God and he would tell the people, in this case, he was, Isaiah was telling King Ahaz and he was telling King Hezekiah, so he would get a message from God and he would tell the people. That was what a prophet did. And then what he would tell the people in Isaiah 7 and 9 and 61 that we'll look at tonight was actually fulfilled in Jesus' day in the New Testament. In other words, it came true. No other book does that. So understand tonight, we're going to look at three prophecies concerning the anticipation of Jesus' coming from heaven to earth. And we're going to talk about this. The very first thing I want you guys to look at is the coming of Jesus. And I want you to flip the page on your bulletin over to here, okay? On the other side, you'll see the scripture. The coming of Jesus, Isaiah 7:14 says this. All right, then, the Lord, the Lord will give you a sign. He's talking to the Israelites about being good, about trusting God and about listening to him. But they're not. So he says, all right, then, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. Sound familiar at Christmas? The virgin will conceive a child, and she will give birth to a son, and, he will, and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now think about this. Please, please pay attention. Listen to me. You're having the worst time in your life. And it's dark, and it's horrible, and it's hard, and it's a lot of your own doing is what has happened here. And all of a sudden, Isaiah comes along, and he says, hey, there's going to be a child, a virgin, going to give birth to a child, and we're going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. If I was one of the Israelites, I'd be like, if God's with us, why are we going through this? You ever had one of those moments? I love God. I'm walking with God. Why is this happening if God is with me? The Israelites were being disobedient to God, and Isaiah was telling them, it's going to get better. It's not always going to be this way. In the dark of night, listen to me. If you have a friend or you're considering suicide in this room, I want you to hear me. In the dark of the night is when it's going to be the worst, but the sun will come up in the morning. That's what Isaiah is telling these guys here. I know it's bad, but it's not always going to be this way. There's going to be a child, and we're going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. That's what he was telling these guys. And when you look at that, that is kind of hard to get your arms around because Jesus is going to be coming and he's going to be the dawning of a brand new day. See, we look back at this stuff. We're looking back at this by faith, trying to believe it. These guys are looking forward by faith, trying to believe what Isaiah is telling them. So they haven't, they'll never see this. The people in the book of Isaiah will never see this, but they're still in heaven with Jesus today because when Jesus came back, he took them with him. His name will be, his, how Jesus came is as critical as his coming. And I want you guys to understand this stuff, especially come Christmas time. How he came is as critical that he has come, and he will come again. And what that is, is the promise was given of a virgin conceiving and giving birth to a son. Remember, 700 years before this happened, Isaiah wrote it, and it happened. Okay, because in Luke, or Matthew 1.23, it says the virgin will conceive, this is in the New Testament, the virgin will conceive him, give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 
700 years later, this is fulfilled. But Jesus came in the form of a virgin. Jesus was sent by his father, born in the world of a, by a virgin. But why did he have to be born as a virgin, from a virgin? Why did Mary have to be a virgin and give birth to Jesus? Does anybody know why? He needed to be born of a virgin birth. One, because prophecy said he would be. And two, so he's not born of the same bloodline as Adam. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, Adam being federal headship, he's the head of the human race, sin entered the world, so we're all born with a sinful nature. Hear me, we're not born sinners. You'll hear that term a lot, and that's not true. We are born with a sinful nature which leads us into sin. So for Jesus to be pure and have not have a sinful nature, he could not be born of a man because the man's seed would have, would have brought the sinful nature into Jesus' heart. Not only that, but Jesus has always been. He's eternal. He's not, he's not got a beginning or an end. So he was around before Mary ever showed up. So it's very critical that this idea of Jesus being born of a virgin is very, very critical. And not only that, here's another thing that really strikes me about this. And I, I, I want, man, I hope I can get this to land on you guys tonight. Jesus didn't just come to earth. Jesus incarnate, God in flesh, born of a virgin, born a little bitty baby in a manger. You ever think about this? We know our reason for the season is Jesus, right? Our reason as Christians for this season is our Lord Jesus Christ, yes? Guess what Jesus' reason for the season is? You. He didn't just come to earth. You guys have got to get your arms with He left his throne in heaven to come to earth to seek and save that which was lost. Do you guys understand how... The level that God went to, the Father sent the Son from heaven to earth because you're the reason for the season. Jesus loves you and he died for you and he gave his life for you. That's the obedience that we'll talk about in just a little bit. But I want you guys, I really want you to understand that. This little baby in a manger is God himself come from his throne in heaven. He's Christ. He's the second person of the Godhead of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son. But God the Father loved us so much that he demonstrated his own love in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he died for us because he came from heaven to earth as a baby in a manger. So I really want you guys to understand when we think about our reason for the season is Jesus, but Jesus' reason for this season is you. It's you. And listen to me, listen close. Even if you don't believe any of this, even if you think I'm nuts and I come in from another planet, it doesn't change the truth that Jesus came for you. It's up to us to accept it. That doesn't change the fact that he came. It just means that we get to accept it. So it doesn't change the truth, no matter what your opinion of this tonight is. The truth is that's what happened. The fulfillment of this prophecy is found in Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. That's prophecy number one in Isaiah 7. Number two, I want to look tonight at the character of Jesus. I want to look at, okay, so the baby came, Jesus came. What's his character? What's he like? How can we explain him? Isaiah 9, 6 says this. The character of Jesus is this, for a child will be born to us. Now watch. Isaiah 7 said the child is going to be born of a virgin. Isaiah 9 explains who this is going to be. Because 7 doesn't say who he is or what his character is. 9 does. And 9 says this, for a child will be born to us. A son will be given to us. And the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. Watch this. You see Jesus' humanity and Jesus' divinity in this first sentence of this scripture. 
For a child will be born to us. That's Jesus' humanity. 100% man, 100% God. Scripture is important to understand this time of the year. For a child will be born to us. That's a humanity. And a son will be given to us. How do we know that that's his deity? Because in John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he did what? He gave his only son. See how the scripture plays out? It's important to know that Jesus was God in flesh, but he's 100% man and 100% God. Same thing, and you see it in that. But I want to look at this wonderful counselor. means the wonder of Jesus is what not only who he is, but what he's done. He's wonderful. I really believe, like I said earlier, we don't have any idea what Jesus is like. We know through the scripture what his character is, but when we see him, the wonderment of who Christ is is going to overwhelm us, I think. The second thing is he's a good counselor. He is just, he, is, he has the wisdom to rule justly. Jesus has the wisdom to do it right in our lives. All we got to do is listen to him. He is wonderful counselor. And then what you see here is he's mighty God. There is every indication that the child that is born of the virgin is mighty God right here. Jesus is God. Watch. I'm going to talk about a couple different religions tonight, not to pick on anybody, but make it clear to you. Mormons do not believe that Jesus is God. The Mormon religion will tell you all day long they believe in Jesus, but he is not deity. He is not God. They don't believe he's God. They'll tell you he died on a cross, but they will not recognize him as God. So therefore, we are not forgiven in the Mormon religion. They are not forgiven of their sin through Christ's shed blood on the cross, like the Bible teaches. Jehovah Witnesses, they believe Jesus is Michael the archangel. They'll tell you they believe in Jesus all day long, but they don't believe in the deity of Christ. He's God come from heaven to earth to redeem us into a relationship with him. It's so important that you guys get that because I believe this. If I see Jesus as just a good guy and a good teacher and he did some wonderful things for me, I don't really owe him that much. But if I see Jesus Christ as God, it changes my view of him. It changes my perspective of him. Does that make sense to you guys? I think it changes, it deepens the relationship and the understanding I have and the commitment I need to make to him. If I understand he's God, so he is mighty God. He's everlasting father, which means this. He's the father of eternity. Eternity comes through Christ. He has no beginning, he has no end. We do, we have a beginning, but we have an eternal life through Christ because we live forever after we're born in our spirit. The prince of peace, this is my favorite. The prince of peace, he gives peace, he gives peace unlike the world. Romans 5.1 says, because of Christ's sacrifice, we are restored to a relationship of peace with God. Watch this. When I gave my life to Christ, you guys, some of you guys have heard me talk about this. When I knelt down and gave my life to Christ 21 years ago, my wife and I did not talk about it during the day at all because we didn't talk about God in our house. We weren't, I didn't know anything. I just had went forward, prayed a prayer and got up and I knew something was different, but I had no idea what it was. So we got home that night, Rachel looked, and we, didn't, we hadn't said a thing. It's the craziest thing in the world. We hadn't even talked about me going forward. Because Rachel stayed in her seat, and I went forward, prayed, gave my life to Christ, was forgiven of my sin. And Rachel asked me that night, she said, what's it like, Dan? What's, she finally rolled over in bed, and she's like, okay, what's it like? I said, Rachel, it's peaceful. I didn't even understand, but I knew in my heart I had peace. Why? Because I had been battling it out with God. Scripture says when we're not Christians, before we give our life to him, we are at enmity with God. 
We are fighting it out with God in our hearts. He's calling me and I'm rejecting him. He's calling me and I'm rejecting him. He's calling me and I'm rejecting him. There is a battle that rages with inside and he's not going to give up. So what I did that day when I surrendered my life to Christ, I'm no longer fighting with God because I've come into agreement with God that I was a sinner. That's what he was trying to tell me. You're a sinner and I can rescue you. You're a sinner and I can save you. You're a sinner and I can make you better. I can bring you from death to life. And when I did that, I had peace. So he is the peace, the prince of peace. But watch this. This is important you guys get this. Note that peaceful doesn't mean easy. Life's not going to be easy, you guys. I don't, maybe for some people it is. For this Christian, it's not. And maybe it's because I look at all you guys and my heart breaks for you sometimes. I don't know. But peaceful does not mean easy. Jesus never promised easy. He promised help. He promised he would go through it with you. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. I will give you the grace that you need to live the life that I called you to. The third thing is this, and we'll close it up with this. The conduct of Jesus is what I will look at tonight. Isaiah 61.1 says this. The conduct of Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom and for the captives and to release them from the darkness of being prisoners. Watch this, Isaiah 61, 700 years before this was ever done, before anybody ever repeated this, before the, anybody knew who he was talking about in this. 700 years before this, he wrote that down, okay? So what Isaiah is talking about, he was prophesying about a future messianic age where a time when someone would come with the Spirit of the Lord upon them and do wonderful things for, our, for this world. And that's Jesus. How do we know that's Jesus? Because Jesus fulfilled this prophecy when he quoted this same passage in the synagogue in Nazareth, which was his hometown, the town he grew up in. Turn, turn back to the other side of the page. And Luke 4, 18 and 19 says this. This is Jesus speaking. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom to, for the prisoners and to recover the sight of the blind for the blind and to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 700 years later, Jesus says, this is me in the synagogue. He says, this is me. This is what was spoken of. I'm fulfilling this prophecy today. 700 years later, Christ said, this is me. And the people in the synagogue, and I got this written in your notes, they didn't believe him because what they saw was Joseph and Mary's son. They didn't see the Messiah. They knew the scriptures. They knew Isaiah 61, but they did not recognize Jesus as Savior, as Messiah. What they saw was Joseph and Mary's kid. One of the questions I would ask you guys in your small groups to think about tonight is, how do you see Jesus? How do you see him? Do you see him as, okay, he died on a cross for me, so what? Or do you see him as Lord and Savior? Do you see him as God? Do you see him as Redeemer? Do you see him as Savior? How do you view Christ in your own life as you sit in your chair today? Because these guys missed the whole thing in the synagogue when Jesus read this because they just saw Joseph and Mary's son. They didn't think it was a big deal. And they missed him along the way. The last thing I want to touch on is this. Jesus' obedience. His conduct is he was obedient to the Father. And everything that he did. He was even obedient to the Father when he sent him from heaven to earth. Because Jesus was, you see his obedience in coming to earth in the form of a baby. You see him in his form of being 100% man and 100% God. Philippians 2.8 says this about him. And being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming, he humbled himself to who though? To God, the Father, becoming obedient to death, 
even death on a cross. When you look at that cradle this year, I want you guys to remember 700 years before that happened, all these prophecies took place. It was prophesied that this, vir this baby was going to be born of a virgin, and they were going to call him Emmanuel, God with us. You see that in the book of Matthew. You see Isaiah 6, 9, verse 6, where you said you see him coming. The child will come, and he will come as a child and a son. He's deity. He's human. His humanity and his deity you see right there. And it gives a description of who he is and what he is as his character. And you see that fulfilled also in the book of Luke. So what I want you guys to think about this, this Christmas season, when you look at this manger, I want you to see a baby who is obedient. I want you to really realize the obedience of Christ in this picture and the manger. And I want you to really understand the, the, ex, the extent that God went to to offer us up an opportunity to be redeemed. Because I think if you do that, it'll change the way you live. So my question to you tonight as you go into your small groups, and we'll wrap it up when we're done, is are you willing, are you willing to be that obedient to Jesus to where you will daily pick up your cross and follow him? Because he was obedient, and if we're supposed to be Christ-like, I think in that Christ-likeness, that obedience is a very big thing to me. So when you look at this Christmas picture, when you drive by and you see a manger scene, I want you to see Isaiah telling people 700 years before it happened that this is what's going to happen. It's not always going to be this way. It'll change when the Messiah comes, and it'll change for you if you allow him to live in your heart, and it'll change even more if you're obedient to him and pick up your cross and follow him daily. Turn to your small groups, talk about it for a few minutes, and we'll come back up and close. So hopefully this made a difference tonight in you guys' life, understanding the anticipation of the calling of the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. So you guys will get a little better understanding when you go back in the Old Testament, how the New Testament, the fulfilled prophecy, I think there's over 300 prophecies that Jesus fulfilled himself. Micah 5.2 talks about he's born in Bethlehem. Last time I checked, I don't get to decide what town I'm born in. Makes sense, but it's a fulfilled prophecy. It is all throughout Scripture. And you guys have to understand another thing. Throughout all of the Old Testament, if you watch for Jesus, he is all over the Old Testament. He's woven throughout that story of the Old Testament all the way through. So make sure, pay attention to that. Next week, what we'll be talking about is the announcement. The anticipation was tonight. The Israelites heard this story. Now the announcement will be in the New Testament when we look in, in, into a couple other New Testament Gospels of the announcement is he's here. It's like this. Let's say my wife and I are going, we went on vacation to Maine a couple years ago. Man, we anticipated. We had the ticket spot. We were anticipating going to Maine. It was going to be awesome. But the announcement was when we were getting on the airplane, they're announcing you're boarding the airplane to go to Maine. I'm, we're going. We're on the way. That's what the announcement is. And the arrival of the birth of Christ is like when I land at the airport in Maine. We're there. We're finally there, 700 years. These people have been reading something about something going on for 700 years, and then all of a sudden it's here. So that's what we'll be talking about the next couple of weeks during the Christmas story. Father in heaven, you're good, and I'm so grateful for your word. Your word explains so much about the story of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we look back in history thousands of years ago at the stories that we covered tonight through the book of Isaiah, I pray that we caught a couple of things tonight, Lord that they were going through what they were going through because of their disobedience, that they were overthrown by the, Assyrian, the Assyrians eventually because of their disobedience to you. I pray that that teaches us, Lord, that we can walk in faith and walk in obedience to you, that we need to be Christ-like when we see our Savior and what he did in the obedience, obedience to death, even death on a cross. I pray, Lord, that those things impact us, that we would be willing to be obedient to him just as he was to you and even pick up our crosses and follow you daily. So, Lord, by your grace and by your mercy this Christmas season, 
May we do just that. May we be all in for our Savior. May we not hold anything back. May we give all of ourselves to you this Christmas season because of the stories we look at, the true stories that we look at that make a difference in our hearts through this Christmas season like no other. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. You are dismissed, everybody. Have a great day.